It's like a family reunion in here, yeah? Hallelujah. Come on. So, I, you know, I forgot to ask uh, Amy. I should start calling her Pastor Amy from uh, JCSD, but I forgot to ask her how many different uh, tribes are represented in the dance team here. But uh, isn't it amazing to think about what God is doing in our day and age where a lot of us, now some of you are new, new, new cats to the kingdom, so you don't know this, but there was a time when we didn't get along with each other very well in different churches. Did anybody know that? And, um, you know, we kind of we separated quite a bit and we divided quite a bit and uh, the kind of stuff that we get to do now just was unheard of. You wouldn't have people from other churches showing up and dancing. Actually, for a while, you wouldn't even dance. <laughs> But anyway, isn't it beautiful that we get to get together and celebrate what God is doing in his church and we get to come together in various tribes and do that? Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. You are worthy of praise and honor and glory. Thank you, God. How many of you were here last, or I'm sorry, two weeks ago um, and heard the message about fear, on fear not? Could you raise your hand high? Okay, so several of you did not. I am not going to go back and re-preach that message, uh, but I do want to encourage you to please get the podcast, and um, sometimes I forget to communicate with Matthew. Matthew, are you in here? Raise your hand and wave. There you are. Uh, did, what did you name that? Okay, he named it Fear Not, so that's good. All right, praise God. I got to work on my communication, and half the time he's like, oh, great, so he just gets to pick a name, and I'll be looking for the sermon. I'm like, I guess we didn't post that one. It's because I don't know what it's named. Maybe we'll work on that. Hallelujah, I know, right? Don't I sound, do you guys feel confident to listen to anything I have to say after this? Because I don't know if you should be. So here's the deal. I want you to go and listen to that podcast if you're, if you're a member of this house. If you're not, I invite you to listen to it. But if this is home, I'm asking you, please listen to it. Because uh, this was a word, I think it's a word for everyone. I'm sure if you're going somewhere else and you listen to it, you'll be like, well, my pastor preached the same message. I bet he did. Because it's on the Father's heart for this year, and it is specific to part of our mandate, and that is to step out from the spirit of fear and realize that is not the spirit that we are of. The spirit of fear is the spirit of Antichrist. Jesus says, fear not. Antichrist says, fear. So I want you to go, and I want you to listen to that. I support it with a lot more scripture <laughs> in the message. But I'm going to build on that today. I'm going to build on that today, and I'm going to begin with the apostolic prayer from Paul, and I'm going to pray this over us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. May the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, so that you may see and understand the love and the power of God and this Christ whom he has sent. May the eyes of your understanding be opened. May they be opened in the name of Jesus. May the eyes of your understanding be opened in the name of Jesus. Not because I'm saying it over and over again, but because the Spirit of God wants you to be able to see and understand the love of your Father. And everything, every scale, every place, every area, every teaching, every doctrine, every demon, 
every experience that does not match the reality of the finished work of Christ Jesus, who came in the flesh and died on a cross, may those things be broken off of you right now in the name of Jesus, because God has made you free, and you are a new creation, and Christ is living in you, and he's being formed in you by the power of the Holy Spirit, which works mightily in you, until we together come into the fullness of the maturity of God, Christ Jesus. We are his church. Christ is the head. This is the Father's desire. In Jesus' name, I pray over you. Amen. Amen. Right there. It's okay. So if the spirit of fear is the opposite of love, and it is, how then shall we live? How then shall we live? If we used to see through a lens of fear, and I would contend that for all of us, we saw through a lens of fear, but we've been moved out of fear because fear has to do with torment. Let me read to you from 1 John um, chapter 4, verse 18. Maybe put some light behind me, Joe. What do you think? Can I have some light behind me? Verse 18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. That's in front of me. I meant that beautiful background that we talked about earlier. I'm not passing the ball very well today. But I'm going to believe that the Spirit of God is going to work mightily in each of us. And if we could bring those lights back down just a touch. I'm starting to get thin. And when, when the lights come, then I know you know. And I don't like knowing that you know. Let's get back to the word. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him. Because he first loved us. Now the fear of torment or punishment, as, the, uh, as some of the other translations bring, there's a fear of punishment. Why is there a fear of punishment? Because we have a conscience and we know that until Christ has paid for our separation, for sin, for every mistake, we know that we deserve punishment for some things. How many of you would disagree with that? Don't raise your hand. You don't disagree with that. We all have a conscience. We know that there are things that we have done that have been selfish and that we deserve to be punished. And until we understand the love of God, which is poured out in Christ, until we have that in us, until we have Christ formed in us, think about that for a minute. Christ, who paid for all punishment, he was the propitiation. It means he traded. It means that he lived the life that we should have lived, died the death we deserve to die, so that we live the life that he lives, and we get the things that he deserves. That's what the exchange is. That's the covenant that we've been brought into. And Christ, that Christ I just talked about, that Christ, the Bible says, is formed, is being formed in us. The scriptures say this is eternal life, to know God, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that God sent him, and to know him is eternal life. Now, I know that we know about this. I know that we know about this. But many of us don't know this. We don't know this. We know about this. And we talk about this. But we don't know this. 
But the scripture says Christ is being formed in us. And he's the very one. He's the very one that made a covenant on our behalf. Do you know what a covenant means? A covenant means that no matter what happens, I will keep my word to you. It means if you do the right, Jesus said this. I, I love in the scripture it says, if, if he, <laughs> he is faithful, and if we're faithful, he'll be faithful. But if we're faithless, he's still faithful. That's the covenant that we have. And in Christ, when we're faithless, this is scandalous. This, this drives us crazy a little bit because we don't want to encourage anybody to do anything naughty. But when we talk about the promises of Christ, it gets a little scary because it sounds like license. I would contend that if when you preach the gospel and you talk about grace, you don't start getting worried that people will take license to sin, you're probably not preaching the gospel yet. Because his gospel is so good that people who don't understand it yet will think that they have permission to go do bad things because he's so loving and so forgiving. It's just true. How many of you have run into that, right? You're like, I don't know if I really want to preach grace as as thoroughly as it sounds in the Bible, because I'm afraid that if I preach that, or if I even believe it, I'll start doing naughty things. Because the Bible keeps saying that he forgives. And I know that I need to be punished in order to not do naughty things. I need to be scared of something, or I'm going to do the naughty things. Does anybody in here relate with that? Okay. So we get worried, and we, we actually naturally, we naturally, uh, we naturally are attracted to the idea of punishment and fear as a motivator to keep us walking in righteousness. Do you know why we naturally do that? Because apart from Christ, that's the only way. Apart from Christ, that is the only motivator. How many of you know that prison is a complete and total external government? You will eat when they tell you to eat. You will sleep in the cell they put you in. You will, when the beeper beeps, you will go where you need to be right? Well, you guys, our father is not a prison keeper. He's not a warden. He did not create the kingdom of heaven as a prison where you walk from place to place. And then if you don't do it right, you get popped back in to the cell. He's not looking to control us. He's looking for sons and daughters. He's not looking to motivate us with fear and punishment from without. He's called us into a kingdom and he said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Christ is being formed in you. I want you to be ruled I want you to be ruled by my love. In other words, I want you to be motivated through choosing my love, Christ in you, that everything that you do comes from that place. Are you guys with me? Now this is the antithesis of what most of us have learned. Most of us have this understanding of I need an external government, I need scary things to make me do the right thing. And we see life through that lens. We see life through the lens of fear and punishment. It's just the way that we see the world. I want to share a little story with you. When I was growing up, I have an amazing aunt and uncle. How many of you have an amazing aunt and uncle? Go ahead, raise your hand. You're just like, yeah, I know, right? I love it that my nephews did. I'm going to assume that I'm the one they're talking about. Um, but at any rate, <laughs> they have a lot of them, okay? And when we would go see my aunt and uncle, it was always awesome, and they're so fun. And my uncle, Uncle Charlie, uh, actually I have more than one aunt and uncle, but anyway, they're both awesome. But Uncle Charlie, when he would come home from work, my aunt Christy and she's amazing, by the way, so I don't want to sell her, sell her short here. But my Aunt Christy would say, okay, when Uncle Charlie gets here, everybody needs to be very, very quiet. Everybody needs to be very, very cool and calm. We don't want to stress out Uncle Charlie. And we're like, oh, okay. 
She's like, okay, Uncle Charles is going to be here in like five minutes, guys. Everybody needs to be really quiet. When we sit down to dinner, everybody needs to be very calm. Everybody needs to be very quiet. Now, of course, we were a big family, so I'm sure she was just responding to like, sweet Lord, there's a lot of monkeys in this house. And there were. You know, there's 10 kids in my family. So, um, so at any rate, but I, I learned something about Uncle Charlie from my Aunt Christy, and it wasn't the lesson she was trying to learn, but I learned like, don't, do not make this guy angry. Like, you got to be cool. Like, he seems really nice, you know, as a kid, he seems really nice. He likes to, he smiles, and he makes really funny jokes, and like, I just want to be near him, but my Aunt Christy said, like, when he gets home, you better be cool. Like, be cool, be quiet, and my tiny little five-year-old brain, or however old it was at that time, understood some things, and I understood that you, like, you can love Uncle Charlie. You can love him. He's cool. You can want to be near him. That's great, but do not make that man mad. Don't get too close, and don't make loud noises. That, that'll make him snap. You know, he's cool, he's laughing, but don't make him snap. And I learned some things about Uncle Charlie, and I learned them from my Aunt Christy. This was not the message she was actually trying to send, but I'm saying that's what I learned, okay? And you know what? I stayed in that place of just like sort of walking on eggshells. Like, I mean, I still, you know, I still loved him, and he was still fun, and he wanted to play with us and joke around, and so I would tell jokes and stuff, but I was kind of, you know, I was like, hey, Uncle Charlie, how's it going? So... How you doing? You know, it's just, it's, you want to go? I came on, I'm gonna go to the drive with you. But then, like, you know, I'll be like cool and quiet in the car and like keep my voice down. And I grew up that way. So Karen and I are friends with them, and we we actually once a year try to go and spend some time with them. We were sharing a little bit about man when I was young. We used to all be like freaked out about Uncle Charlie, and he's like, "What?" We're like, "Oh yeah, we were like scared of you." And he's like, "What?" We go, yeah, seriously, like, we didn't, we just wanted to, like, keep it on the deep, you know, keep things quiet. And he's going, why? Well, we, well, Aunt Christy always told us, like, when you were coming home from work, you know, you're like, everybody, shh, 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 Uncle Charlie's coming. And he was, like, hurt. He's like, are you serious? You guys were literally scared of me? We're like, yes, we were literally scared of you. He's like, why? Because we heard that you don't like loud noises and you like people to act right or you're going to get mad. So we related to Uncle Charlie for most of our childhood that way. How many of you know that's a lens? It wasn't even true. It wasn't what my Aunt Christy meant, so I'm not throwing her under the bus. She was just saying like, hey, you know, when he gets home, give him that 10 minutes. Come on, dads, right? Give him that 10 minutes to like... And then you can jump on his lap. But um, you know how kids do that, right, with the elbows. <laughs> Surprising. And you know what? I'm going to stop. Okay. So anyway, all the dads are like, mm. Okay. So, and knees. Get back on point, Josh. Right here, right here. That was a lens. That was a lens that I learned to see my Uncle Charlie through. And when I saw him, until that lens was changed, I saw everything about him through that lens. I, began, I interpreted things through that lens. I related with him through that lens. Perfect love casts out all fear because it has to do with punishment. That's a lens. Some of us fear God, and not in the good way, not respect and honor, not you are the creator, and I, and I look to you, I fear the king, not, not the healthy kind. We have an unhealthy fear of like, yeah, he loves you, but he's also the guy that killed his own son, and he didn't even do anything wrong. Are you guys with me? We have some weird math where we see things through a lens. We know what the right answer is. If you asked me, does your Uncle Charlie love you? I'd say, my Uncle Charlie totally loves me. 
Does he like it when you visit? He loves it when we visit. Can you trust him and tell him anything? <laughs> I don't think so. I, you know, he, he gets mad easy. You guys, he doesn't get mad easy. I learned that somewhere. And I saw him through that for a couple of decades. A couple of decades I saw him through that. And the father wants to come here and say, listen, I do not motivate you through fear. I didn't get upset and accidentally kill my own son and you're skating <laughs> footloose and fancy free, but you know, you're a lot worse. I, I'm kind of wondering about the trade. He's better than you. <laughs> Is anyone identifying with this? We have these things that we know about, we kind of know about. The, the scriptures have a word, it's called yada. It's Hebrew, it's yada. And it means to know. Adam knew Eve. Adam yada Eve. He was one with Eve. God wants us to be yada with him. God is love. In love there is no fear. Yada love. Yada Christ. Christ came and said, I came to show you the Father. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Let me talk to you about the enemy of your soul. It's so important for us to start in Genesis. Do you know why it's so important for us to start in Genesis? Because it is the beginning. And God is not a mistake-making kind of God. He's not a, let me throw some stuff together and, nah, nah. No, he is a, Jesus, Holy Spirit, what should we do? Let's make man in our image. Let's make him male and female in our image. Let's make him. Let's invite man into this relationship that we have. Let's yada all of mankind. And they will yada us and we will yada them and we'll extend what we already have. Let's do that. In fact, let's invite them into the redemption of the cosmos. Because remember that, that enemy of ours who turned against us and wanted to take the glory, didn't understand what it is to yada us? Let's extend the kingdom and destroy the accusations that he made against us through that relationship of love. And he did. And the enemy of our soul comes into that perfect yada says that God would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. In the cool of, what is, who do you walk with in the cool of the day? Your friends. Those that you want to yada. God would come and walk with them. And the enemy comes and he says, you are not who you think you are. And he seems like a nice guy. But let me tell you something. You have a reason to fear him. Because he's not telling you the truth. And you have a reason to be afraid because you're not who you think you are. And he's not who you think he is. So there's only one thing to do. Take matters into your own hands. 
In fact, here's a suggestion. There's only one rule in the entire garden. You should break that one. You realize Adam and Eve had one rule? I mean, this is like the best marriage ever in beautiful garden, naked. This is every husband's favorite idea in the world. You got fruit everywhere. You have one job. Take care of the garden and make kids again. This is a fantastic idea. Only God could think of this. Are you guys with me? There's no sin. There's no naughtiness. There's just paradise flowing from his right hand. That's what it says. A river of pleasures flows from the right hand of God. And the devil comes in and goes, hey, he's not who you think he is. You're not who you think you are. Remember that one thing he said not to do? That, that fruit over there? You should do that. And that, then you'll know whether or not he is who you think he is. Because he said not to do that. So you should try it out. And they did it. And then God came in and he just destroyed them. He just beat them and slapped them and punished them and kicked them. He told them he hated them and spit on them. And he was really mad that he ever made them. No. He shows up and goes, what have you done? Did you, did you eat from the fruit? Where are you? And you know what our dad did? He immediately made a plan of redemption. This all happened in the first, like, what, six chapters. I'm asking you. I mean, I don't know. I don't really, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this happened in the very beginning. This was the first thing that he did. He brought redemption in the very beginning. And then he protected them. you got to catch this, all right? This story is so important. He protected them from eating from the tree of life so that they would not live forever in a sinful state. In that moment, he says, this is what I'm going to do. He says to the woman, I am going to send Christ through your seed. And you will destroy this serpent. Where's the punishment? Where is it? Well, they got thrown out of the garden. That was mercy. He kept him out of the garden because he's like, I am, not gonna, I am not okay with being eternally separate from you, Adam and Eve. I love you. I yada you. And you yada me. I am not going to let you. I am not going to let you be eternally separate from me. I'm redeeming this thing right now. Now, did it take a little time? Yeah, it took a little time. But do you see how there's no punishment in this equation? Are you catching this? And yet the enemy still to this day says, you better straighten up and fly right. You better figure this out. And you better talk quiet when you're around dad because he gets mad. Remember what happened in the garden? And then he reframes it. And we go, yeah, they got kicked out. That was horrible. That's right. And then they had to work. That's even more horrible. You know, Adam and Eve had a job in the garden. Okay? That's just, this is for free. The nobility of work. Come on. You acting like God when you got a job. And Adam got given a job before he got given a wife. So that's also a little say law. <laughs> All right. So work is a blessing from God. The, <laughs> there, I could go another direction right there. Okay. Now here's the, here's the thing. Here's what I need you to catch. This is what God wants to unlock in us. There is no fear in your relationship with God. There is no fear in your relationship with God. There is no fear in your relationship with God. He does not want you to fear him. He is the God who loves. 
And every time you question that, you need to look at Jesus. You need to look at Jesus. What did he do? He came and redeemed you. He came and redeemed you. And here's the thing, and this is the part that we know about, but we don't yada, we don't know about it. We see it through that lens, and we're like, yeah, I know Jesus digs me. Jesus is cool. He's like the cool son. Oh, daddy, take it easy, pops. I'll go talk to him. You know, guys, you need to, like, chill it out. I'm going to, you know what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay my life down, and then dad will just kind of calm down a little. He gets like this. No, the father redeemed us in the garden. They already looked ahead and said, this is what we're going to do. Christ is like, I will lay my life down and make a covenant with you guys so you can have eternal life. Jesus didn't lay his life down not knowing he wouldn't get it back. He's like, I'm going to come live just like you, and I'm going to redeem this thing. And he did it from the beginning. It says Christ was crucified from the foundations of the earth. Why does it say that? Because right after the foundations of the earth, when Adam and Eve happened, that's when he did it. He said, I'm going to do this, and we're in it. So there's no punishment left for us. Are you guys with me? Are you hearing this? I mean, I know you're hearing this, but I'm saying it a lot of times because this is the worst lens. This is the lens. Dad is a good dad, and he wants his kids back. And he doesn't want his kids back living in an orphanage. He wants his kids back in the garden with him. He wants when something goes wrong that we don't run from him, we run to him. There's going to be a second part to this message because I am out of time. But this is the preamble. There is no fear in love because love has to do with punishment. Now next week, we'll talk a little bit about the difference between how God relates to us and how we can relate to him if we're not motivated by punishment. How does that work? And the next, the next sermon is going to be punishment versus discipline. All right, spoiler alert. Think, think punishment versus discipline. You hearing that? You feeling that? Stand up. Let's pray. May the revelation of the reality of the Father's heart be released upon us because of the mercy, because of the testimony, because of the prophetic statement of Christ's death and his resurrection. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, let that be released now. I pray for the angels to be released, that in every place and heart where the enemy has brought mindsets and strongholds and just straight up critters that have been afflicting these people, you are being released for them right now in Jesus' name. Go in the grace and under the blessing of the Father who holds nothing back. In all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The prayer servant team is coming. If you want more prayer or ministry time, please avail yourself of that. God bless you.